I've wondered something in the past, and let me know if you've wondered maybe the same thing or had similar thoughts. I've wondered if what I have, uh, I wonder what I would have if I was unaware of what you have. I wonder what I would own if I was completely unaware of all the things that you and other people own. I wonder what I would want, like what I would actually want to own and have materially if I didn't see what you already have. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what I would, uh, wh- how it might change the way that I save money if I wasn't acutely aware of what you have. I wonder wh- how it might affect my giving and my generosity towards people who have less than I have if I wasn't constantly aware of everybody around me who has more than I have. Have you ever thought about this before? Like, what would life be like if we weren't constantly comparing ourselves to each other, as far as, especially when it comes to our material possessions? See, the problem is, is I know too much. I'm just, like, really, really aware, and, and this is my problem, this isn't your problem. My problem is, I'm really aware, I'm very aware of what others have and what I don't have. And because of that, in, in, it's, it's caused pain, it's caused disco- uh, discomfort, it's caused me to be discontent with what I do have. Have you ever seen something, and before you saw it, you didn't know it existed? And then you saw it, and you're like, I didn't even know that existed, I need that. That I need to, uh, that I, that is destined to be mine, and then you kind of obsess about it. See, it's because of dynamics like this when it comes to wealth and material, and I'll speak for myself here, that I've become acutely aware uh, that I need guardrails. I need to have things set up in my life. That, that when I come to the edge, of, uh, when I hit, uh, rub up against the guardrail, I know something's wrong, and I take a step back. We're in this series called Guardrails. I'll explain here in a second why, what, why we call it Guardrails. You might have a pretty good idea of it already, though. And we're going to talk today about money, about stuff, about wealth. <laughs> Here's the thing. Given how sensitive money is as an issue, just in general, right? Like it's, it's no matter where you are, it's kind of like, we, you know, sensitive when we talk about money at the dinner table with, with our friends or whatever. But like especially in church, like I know that like a pastor talking about money and maybe giving money is kind of like a vested interest, maybe a little bias. We'll talk about that a little later on, too. But given how sensitive an issue money is, I decided, I, I realized this week, I'm probably going to say something you don't agree with when it comes to money. Like, like, more, like more than likely, I'm going to say something today you're like, are you sh- I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure I look at it that way. I'm not sure I agree with. And I, I think, honestly, it doesn't matter if you're a church person or not. I think I'm going to get you all today. I think I'm going to say something about money today that's going to be, you're like, I don't know, pastor. And, and in light of that, I decided I want to start my sermon with an insight before I lose you. B- before I tick you off and you stop listening to me, 
I want to share something with you. It's an insight that I learned a few years ago that's really stuck with me. It's, it's like a paradigm that helps me manage my money. And it is this. I think money, like food, is like food in that we develop an appetite for our stuff. I think, I think you know how, like, food, if you eat a lot of food, it actually grows your hunger for more food? I think the same dynamic happens with money. L I'll, I'll prove it to you. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and eaten so much that you're like, I feel like I could never eat again. I'm, I've stuffed myself so much. I can't even imagine being, how long does that last? <laughs> Maybe a day, if you're lucky. And then what? You're hungry again. Kick, kick, kick. Have you ever looked at an item in a store? Clothes, piece of gear, a new phone, whatever the case may be, a car, a boat, and thought to yourself, that's all I need. That's all I need. And if I had that, I would be happy. Like, like, and, and, and here's, here's what's tricky about it. The reality is, like, you know that phrase, money can't buy happiness? I totally disagree for a couple different reasons. And this isn't my sermon. But I think money actually can make you happy for a day, maybe even a couple more. Like, you give me $10,000 and put me in Bass Pro Shop, I'm going to be a happy <laughs> guy. I'm just saying, I'm just putting that out there for a while. Like, how long, so, so have you ever looked at something and said, that's it? Like, if I can just, that phone is, if I can just get that phone, I, I'd be a happy guy. How long does that last? Until the next phone comes out. Until that, the phone that you just got, breaks. And then you're no longer satisfied. You know why? Because money and material things are actually, they, 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 they function like appetites. And the, the more, it's the same thing with food. The more you eat food, the more your appetite grows. No one would ever say to somebody who's struggling with food, you know what you need to do? You need to just eat as much food as you possibly can until you're sick of it. And then it'll, it'll set food right in your life. We would never say that to anyone. Why? Because the more food they would eat, the more the appetite would grow. We fail to see that when it comes to material things. We, 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 we're, like, we, we're like, I'm not sure. I, 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 think, I think if I got a bunch of stuff, if I get enough stuff, if I could just get here, if I could get to this house, if I could have this salary, like, and we look at other people, right? We look around and say, man, if I made what they made, I'd be, that would be it. I would need, uh, that's all I would need for the rest of my life. And, and then you get there. Some of you have gotten there, right? You've gotten older, you've gotten promotions, you've gotten better at your job. You make more money and all of a sudden you're at that, and all of a sudden it doesn't seem like as much money as it once did. Why? Because money is an appetite. It grows the more you feed it. Now, this is really important with our, our, our conversation around guardrails because of this. Any appetite, because money is an appetite, it's like any other appetite, we need to be cautious around it. Because we all know what happens when appetites get out of control, right? Unhealthy things 
happen. We can say that about food. We can say that about sex. Sex is another appetite. It's something that grows the more you feed it. It's, it, it's something that uh, we'll talk about. We'll actually talk about that in a couple weeks. We're going to talk about sex in like two or three weeks. Money's the same way. And, and if we're not cautious around it, it can, it can bring ruin. A- anytime we are driven by an appetite, unhealthy things happen. We know this to be true. In our own lives, we see it in people's lives around us, right? Where people have been wrecked. They've gone off the deep end when it comes to money. They become so greedy. They become so um, insulated. They become so self-centered. They become so in debt. And any time that we're driven by an appetite like that, any time we, we say to something like sex or food or money, we say, hey, we, we throw them the keys to, to put it into our guardrails. It's like, it's like we throw them the keys and say, you, you drive. We, we, the more we lose control in those areas, the more it's like we say to that thing, that substance, that, 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 uh, that um, inanimate object, it has so much control over our lives, it's almost as if it's driving. And that's not. Can we all agree? Christi- whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a church person or not, that's not a good thing. Can we all agree that's something we don't want for ourselves? It's something we don't want for our kids. We don't want it for our friends. And so let's try to avoid that. That's what today's about, is putting up guardrails in our financial world so that it doesn't control us. This is the question we're going to have. This is the $64,000 question that I want you to think about today. It goes like this. Do I have money or does money have me? Do I have money or, or does money, do I own money, do I possess money, or does put money possess me? It, it, you understand what I'm saying, right? Like, th- is, is my relationship to money in such a way that money is a tool for how I live and how I provide and how I eat and how I, you know, how I give? Or is money something that, that drives my attitude, my perspective so much so that I might get in trouble? Now, okay, here's, just pause for a second. Imagine if you were God. Okay, just for a second. Imagine if you were God and you cared for people in this world like a, a mother cares for her children, or a father cares for his sons and daughters. And there was this thing called money that your sons and daughters, it was part of their lives, and, 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 and it, sometimes it affected their lives. It affected their happiness. It affected their happiness in such a way that, that no matter, the, you, could, you saw your, your children struggling the, to where they, they're really good at getting a lot of things, but never really happy with what they have. You know? If you saw that, it would make you sad, right? Or if you're God and, and you saw your, your kids, um, where, where you saw people that, that you created, acting in such a way that their kids, their spouses, their friends feel like second-rate citizens compared to the bank account or to somebody's stuff. And you'd be like, oh, bummer, that, that's sad, right? Or, or an in, insult to injury, not only is all this happening, but for you're looking down and you're seeing this happen, and, and you're, you realize that most of the people that this is happening to, 
they're completely unaware that it's even happening. <laughs> they're completely unaware that they're miserable, they're miserable because of this, because it has this hold, and they don't realize it. If you were God, would you say something about it? And you, if you were God and you cared for your creation, what would you do? You'd speak up. You'd have something to say on the issue. You would help put help your children put this thing in its proper place. Here's what's cool. When we open up the pages of the Bible, that's exactly what we find. When you and I open up the, the pages of Scripture, you can't go, you can't go a stone's throw in, in the Old Testament or New Testament without running into money. The Bible has so much to say about money. Things like this, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Like, like this is the idea of work ethic, like work hard. It says things like this, Proverbs 13, 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little, it grows. Whoever gathers money little by little, it grows. And it's this idea of like putting a little bit away. You don't have to have this big lump sum. No, like, like $5 a month, $10, and you're like, like it's, it, there's, it, when we open up scriptures, you see a ton of material about money if, and a ton of great guidelines of which we can use to make guardrails when it comes to debt, saving, spending, giving. It's almost as if God loves us. It's almost as if God sees, it, it's like, this is a big deal. I'm going to say something about it so that my children can do something about it. They can live by it, or to put it into this vernacular for the series, they can build guardrails. So a guardrail, you know what it is on the road. A guardrail, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, is just simply this. It's a personal line that is uncomfortable for you to cross. It's a personal line when it comes to friends, when it comes to finances, when it comes to romance, when it comes to dating, when it comes to sex, when it comes to fill in the blank, where we say, you know what? There's something over there that I don't want to fall into, so I'm going to put up a guardrail in the safety zone well before that danger to keep me from that danger. And, some, and, and when you put up a guardrail, it's going to make life uncomfortable. It's just not going to make it disastrous. You know, a guardrail isn't make, it, it will cause tension in life, but it makes it so that we don't destroy ourselves when we, when we cross the line. We don't put the line in the wrong place and, and get so far that we just fly off a cliff. No, there's the guardrail is to keep us back from danger, and this is why it's personal. A guardrail for you might be different than a guardrail for me when it comes to finances, let's say, because it's my guardrail and that's your guardrail. It's personal. It's a personal line that is uncomfortable for you to cross. Last week we talked about friends and just that idea of like when, you know, when you're out with the friends and you, you're about to say, you say, to them, say to somebody like, man, you know, I'll go, but I won't participate. Or I'll go, but I hope that my mom or my spouse doesn't find out that I'm going. That should, light, that should be a guardrail. That should light up your, your conscience. And that's what a guardrail is. This is a personal line that you set. And no one can set it for you. And, and when it comes to guardrails in, 
And um, here, so my goal for us today is to actually outline it. At the end, I'm going to outline a strategy that can act kind of like a guardrail, and it will get you thinking. And honestly, I think if you were to adopt this strategy, it's, it's kind of a slam dunk for making sure that money is put in its rightful place. Um, Jesus, as it, if you grew up in church, you know that Jesus, not only does the Bible have a lot to say about money, Jesus himself had a lot to say about money, so much so that I was like, man, do I preach on this? Do I preach on that? And I decided, no, I want to preach on, I want to preach on this one verse. It's out of Matthew 6, where Jesus really kind of hones into it, and he really gets to the heart of the matter of why money is so important. Why, you know, like, like, honestly, I honestly think that if I, was a G, if I was a disciple of Jesus, like if I was a person following Jesus, I'd be like, man, this guy talks about money a lot, which is interesting because we actually don't think Jesus really ever had any money. What, he, was, he talked about money in a, a, a lot, and yet he seemed personally uninterested by it. There's this, the only time we know that, that he had money is there's this time people were trying to trap him, and they, they said, hey, uh, do we pay do we pay taxes to Caesar, Jesus? What do you think? Because if he says no, then they go tell Rome, Jesus is teaching they shouldn't pay taxes. But if he says yes, you know, it gets another problem. So like, do you, what do you think about taxes? Jesus says, give me a coin. So someone reaches in their pocket, hands him a coin, grabs a coin. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God what is God. Because that coin probably had a picture of Caesar on it. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God what is God. And he hands the coin back. He's not obsessed with money, but he, but he has a lot to say about it, and today we're going to find out why. He says this in Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other, to which all of us say, what? <laughs> like, like, I, I have a hard time, like, plugging myself into this one, Jesus. First of all, okay, no one can serve two masters. I didn't know I had a master. I didn't know I had one master. Now I have two, like, w what are my two masters? He just, he doesn't answer, it just keeps going. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And all Jesus is saying here is he's, he's highlighting that in our hearts, we can only love certain things. We can only have so much affection to give. We only have so much devotion that we can devote to something or to someone. The other thing that's probably important to note about this, this word masters, uh, the word master is, the, the, the Greek word here is kyrios to which is also where we get the word Lord. And I think that's actually, for understanding this passage, in, in this culture, I think that's probably a better way of looking at it. No one can serve two lords. You, you really only have one Lord. And here, the, reason, the reason why I think masters, masters, when we think masters, we think a boss. And for a lot of us, when we think of our boss, we didn't choose our boss, right? They, they chose us, maybe, or you know, they got promoted and then they were over us. So, you know, we're, we're familiar with the idea of bosses, and this is not, that's not the idea that Jesus is getting to. He's getting to more of the idea of this idea of Lord. 
And a Lord is something you choose. And again, it's, it's not like we use Lord, the word Lord, more than masters in our everyday, you know, language. But, but the, this idea of, like, what I like about the, the word Lord is we, the Lord is this idea of, like, the Lord is something you choose. You can make God your Lord. That's your choice. Likewise, what we're going to find out here in a second is we can make money. If we're not careful, money can become our Lord. It can become our kyrios. It can become our master. He says this in the next line. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And this had to, see, if you grew up in church, like, you're, you know that what was about to say. But I, this had to be that when they heard this, they'd be like, wait, wait, I did not think you were going to fill that blank in with money. You, I would think that the Jesus' listeners would have been like, you cannot, if Jesus is like, all right, guys, fill in the blank. You cannot serve both God and blank. They'd be like, uh, evil? The devil? Satan? You know, like, like, like those are the things you're like, but Jesus says, no, this is the way, honestly, it's not that. The way I look at it, Jesus would say, is like in, in, you've got an arena here, a boxing arena, and in one corner you have God. And in the other corner, oddly enough, you don't have Satan, you don't have the devil, you have money. And Jesus would say, he's like, listen, here's the deal. If, if God is not the lo- your Lord, I think Jesus would say here, if God is not your Lord, if he was a betting man, he's like, I bet that the, your Lord is probably going to be money. And, and here's why. Here's why money is so potent. It's, it's, not be, it's not about money. It's not about just money. It's about what money promises for us. That's what gets us into trouble. Because the reason you and I are drawn to money... The reason, I'm not, actually money's not a big thing for me. I'm more of a stuff kind of guy. I'm more of like literally you put me in Bass Pro Shop. And guys, I can't explain this, but there's just something in me. That's that's a store full of promises right there. (laughs) I I know you laugh, but it's for real. Like I I get there and this isn't for you. Hey, you can judge me all you want. That's fine. I'm a redneck. It's great. What's yours? You've got something where if you get there, and maybe it's not a store, maybe it's a financial line. I had this much in the bank. I made this much a year. If I could just get these things, then me and my family, see, because here's why we're so drawn to it. Money promises things. It's not just paper. It's the promise that comes behind that paper. We start to believe that those promises, uh, in those promises, and we start to, to put our weight on those promises. This insurance will keep me safe. This nest egg will bring security. This fund, this fund, this, this, with this fund, I can buy this. I can go on these trips, and that will bring happiness. And the more we go down that road, the, the, it's actually a road that leads away from God because it's because one word, trust trust. We start to put our trust in the promises that wealth can bring. 
And if Jesus was here, the reason he's juxtaposing it this way, I think he does this stuff on purpose to make us think. Like, it's now, it, it's, it's God, it's money. He makes these black and white kind of ridiculous, outlandish statements to make us think. What is the role of money in my life? Am I willing, able, uh, uh, do I have the tendency to trust money so much that I just forget about God? See, in Jesus' paradigm, in Jesus' opinion, the number one competitor for your and my heart is our money. And that's, the word heart is really important. Because this is important. If, if you're at the idea of a preacher talking about money or money in church and you're like the idea like churches, uh, all they want is money. Listen, listen, I don't want your money. I don't, and, and here's the thing. God doesn't need your money. He's God. Like, it's all his. So he doesn't need your money. What he wants is your heart. And he knows that a lot, of the, when it comes to money, it's easy for us to put our faith, our hope, and our trust in it. And not in God. You want to test and see how much your heart is in your money? Take all of the money you have. Or no, just here, give me, give me your bank account. I'm not going to take any of the money. I'm just going to put all of it in some random stock on the stock market right now. I just magically did that. Let's pretend. If I just, if I literally just did that, what would you be doing this afternoon? Where would you be spending your time? Sorry, kids, I can't talk right now. <laughs> I got to find out what ENFW means, <laughs> whatever that call sign is for the New York Stock Exchange. Because all of my money is in that business. And here's what you would do. You would Google the crap out of that business. You would get to know everything about that business. You would, right? You, you would learn, you would pour your heart into it. You would be, it would, and in some ways that's natural because our money is important. We'll get to that in a second. But the reality is our money, if it's not properly contained, it can control our hearts. And here's the thing. I'm not, it's easy to say this on paper, but then there's some of you are thinking, yeah, okay, so, so, yeah, so I can control my hearts. But I need money, right? Are you saying that I should just get rid of all my money and just trust God? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying you and I need guardrails. For how much our hearts lean and are drawn towards money, wealth, material things, we, <laughs> I'll speak for myself, I need some serious guardrails to protect my heart against this one thing, greed. Greed, we're going to talk about greed here for a couple minutes. And greed is one of those words, one of those things that's basically impossible to see in the mirror. Like, like I've just never had somebody come to me and like, hey, I'm just really struggling. You know, like a friend of mine, like I'm just struggling, Josh. I think it's because I'm greedy. I, I just never heard those words. It's really, it's because greed is really hard to see in the mirror. Here's how we're going to define greed today. Greed is the assumption that it's all for my consumption. 
greed is, is the assumption that anything that comes through your hands is for you. Greed is the assumption that anything that comes across your table is fair for you to consume. And, and honestly, why wouldn't it be? Like, like, like for real, like, I see why we kind of fall into this. Because like, after all, we earned it. We saved it. We bought it. You got it. You worked hard for it. It's yours. And, you know, and so it's easy to say, therefore, this is mine. Greed is the assumption. And, and, and in a sense, it is yours for a time. But when we start assuming that every single thing that comes our way is, is for our consumption, it's for our joy, for our happiness, for our kids, for our family, for us, for my savings, what starts happening? Everything starts to become about you. Here's the other thing about greed. Greed's really easy to see in other people, right? Some of you are even thinking about people right now, you're like, yeah, I have a friend like that. <laughs> they have all the money in the world, but don't, like, have you ever been invited to somebody's house? And you're like, sweet, honey, we just, we got the invite to their second home up in blah, blah, blah. It's going to be great. And you get there, and it's just nerve-wracking. <laughs> because it's like, you're afraid so you're going to, like, dirty the carpet or break something. It's just not comfortable at all. And, and you get, you know, you leave, and you're talking with your wife. And you're like, what was that all about? And, and you start to say, you know, honestly, it was hard to be there because it was just really all about them and their stuff. And I'd love to have that stuff, but, like, I'm not sure I want to go back that's greed. And it's easy to see in other people, but it's hard to see in our, our, ourselves. And therefore, we need guardrails. We need to make sure that this doesn't creep up in us. The, if we need to make sure that this doesn't, that this, this assumption that it's all for our consumption doesn't happen. Because here's, here's if we don't, if we don't set guardrails, if this is a road right here, all the way through, excuse me, Matt, right here. If this is a, if this is a road, Imagine on this side, we've got the, it, it, there's a cliff. And if we fall off that cliff, we fall into this, this consumption habit where it's like un, unbridled desire. We're just controlled by our desires. We just keep buying. We just keep spending. We get in mad debt, and then we figure out a way to consolidate our debt, and we're okay for a while. And then, like, like let's say that's that side. That's a cliff. And then over here on this side of the road, there's a big wall. And that wall is, is hoarding. You see, and, and, and the God, God's way, what God wants us, the, the, the way that God wants us to live is right here in the middle. But if we, don't, if we go to the right, we're going to fall into, to, um, oh, what's the word? We're, we're just never happy with what we have, but we're always wanting more. There's a word for that. Don't worry about it. And then if, on this side, we hit, we hit this wall, and th that wall is hoarding. And that, see, this is unbridled consumption. This is unbridled fear. Where it's just like, well, but what about tomorrow? I heard that the, I heard that the economy's softening a little bit. I heard the housing market. I hear this. I, you know, I want to retire in five years. I want to, you know, like, wh what if? What if, honey? What if? What if? What if? And it's just mine, 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 mine. Start raking and shoveling cash towards the bank account. And on this side, it's, it's like, well, honey, look at this. Let's go buy it. Come on, let's go. You know, it's like, and, and if, if both, both of those are, are, Sadness, stories, we know those stories. Maybe some of you have experienced those stories. What side are you more on? I'll, I'll, I'm on this side for sure. I want to go have fun right now. with my. I, uh, I'm going to Alaska next week. It's awesome. I want to buy so much gear. 
And I'm, I'm like, I, I got guardrails for that because it's like, no, I, buying all that stuff, it, I know it makes me feel like I'm going to be happy, but it's not necessarily true, and it's definitely not true in the long haul. See, and here's the other thing about hoarding and consuming. The root cause of both of those are the same thing. It's greed. Whether, whether or not it's you know, spending like this, or it's you know, hoarding like this, in the end, it's all about you. And the reason that our Heavenly Father says so much about money is He doesn't want us to live the type of life that's all about us. That in the end, our kids are like, yeah, Dad was cool, I guess, but he really liked his stuff. Mom was cool, I guess, but yeah, she's, we, she's always worried about money and we never knew where we stood. And Your Heavenly Father wants to save you from all of that. And the way that we do that is we set up guardrails. And if we set up guardrails, we, it's, we, over here on this side, if we set up guardrails, the end result is we start to actually be content with what we have, instead of being consumed by it, instead of being compulsive about it, we're content with what we have, little or a lot. And on this side, we're not in fear. We're not living in fear. We're living in freedom because our trust never was in money. Like, yeah, we have money and we're smart and we save, but our trust is in God. That's what he wants for us. And the good news is, you can do this. What I'm about to propose to you is a really simple system that has a way of keeping our appetites in check, guards against greed, and makes sure that, that money doesn't become our Lord. And it's simply this. The strategy is called give, Save, live. And if you've been here for long, you know, you've probably heard me talk about this. And this won't be the last time that I talk about it because I, I, I believe in it so much. And I want it, it, to, it's simple. No, it, it, what's great about this is it's simple. You won't forget it. You probably won't forget it walking out today. But it's not easy. Give, save, live is, is a reordering, and, and this is the key. This is the key to financial independence, and I mean that in a couple different ways. Financial independence in the way, like, like the, if you do this, if you give first, you save second, and then you live on the rest, you are on the path to, to financial independence where you have enough in savings that you, you know, you're not dependent on anyone else, you're not worried about tomorrow, that kind of thing. You have a healthy relationship with money. That, that is that type of financial independence. But I'm also talking about, th that, that's in a practical sense. I'm talking about financial independence in a spiritual sense of the word. And, and honestly, like if, you're, if you don't know if you're a Christian or not, or you wouldn't consider yourself a church person, like you can define spiritual here however you want. Spiritual in the sense of the affecting your relationship with God or spiritual in the sense of, like, affecting your spirit and your soul. Like, if I go down this path and I get hurt a bunch, my soul kind of hurts. 
And I think that there, in the spiritual, like, the, the, this path, give, save, live, is the best path towards finan- financial independence when it comes to, spir- in a spiritual sense. Where your heart isn't all beat up. Your spirit isn't like, oh man, I did it again. Like, you're not in control one way or the other. And the reason, the reason is, if you start with give, well, actually, before I say that, here's, here's what we, most of us do. This is what's most natural to do, is live, save, give. So you get a paycheck, right? And then you go out, you, you pay your bills, you go out to eat, um, you, uh, what else do we buy? Uh, uh, beer, did you say beer? Oh, gear, <laughs> gear, maybe some beer. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, the kids are going back to school, so there's all that, and uh, this is fun. And then, and, then, and then you're like, oh, crap, you know, like, kids' college fund. Um, and we only have a little bit left, but, and then if we're lucky, there's two silver coins or two copper coins left for the PTA. That's, that's usually what happens. It's like, it, and, and here's the thing. If this is you, if you're like, yeah, that's what happens to me every month. It's like, I, I, and, and here, here's the thing. If you're here today and you're like, I wish it was different. Like, I wish I, I wish I was able to give more. Maybe you're thinking, like, like we just talked about, maybe you're thinking about, I make more money than I ever thought I would, than my mom and dad ever thought I would. And I'm still, like, I just can't help but just keep going here. And then every once in a while, I'm like, boop. If you feel that, if you wish it was different, guess what? You're, that's the makings of a guardrail. That, that Remember, because a guardrail is a personal line that's uncomfortable for you to cross. You're feeling tension. You wish, I, I want to be known as a generous person. I know I've been given a lot. I'd love to give more. You're on the right road. You just got to get more intentional. All you need to do is this. You just got to get these in the right order. You, the step one is you just have to make this giving a priority. Okay, so here's what we got for the month. And we decided we're going to give this much to these organizations. And it's not the whole thing, right? And then it's like, no, you know what? I've got that matching 401k, so we're going to do some of that. And we're going to do some for the kids of the college. And then, and then something magical happens. It's just amazing. You live on whatever's left. You just find a way. When, when this is all that's left, you're like, I guess we're not going out to eat tonight. Because this is all we have after we have given and after we have saved. Now we can live. I'm telling you, I, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a person of faith even, or from a different faith, this is This is amazing. And I, I, I would make the argument the reason that this works is because it's God's way and it's from God. But you don't, you can, you don't have to take that. But do yourself a favor. And, and you might say, well, okay, well, well then why, why give? Why can't I just save and then live? And the reason is simple. The best way to break greed in our life is this right here. Give. The best way to kind of just stick it to the greed that you and I feel coursing through our veins all the time 
is to take that money that we would love to buy stuff with and give it away. Just give it away. And, say, and, and what it does is it redefines what has a hold on you. It redefines if you're, it, it says I'm in control of my money, I'm in control of my life, and then since I'm in control of my life, I'm going to give it away. And here's the other thing is when you give, you get to see that response. And that grows in you too. You, you're like, I want more of that. Yes, I could. And, and eventually, eventually, this becomes second nature. And you're like, no, I, I guess I could have had a better car. I could upgrade my phone. But why would I want to do that? It puts things in perspective. And this, I, I would say, honestly, if you're not a person of faith, I'd still challenge you to give first and watch what it does in your soul. Watch what it does in your spirit. And, and if you're, but if you're a Christian, <laughs> you don't have a choice. <laughs> Sorry. Because when you signed on to this thing called the Christian faith, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, he said a lot about money. And he made it very clear that our money should not control us. And the purpose of our money is not just to live. It's so we can bless others. I, I was going to talk about tithing. You know, do you know that tithing literally means to give tenth? It's, it's, it's t a tenth. The word tithe means a tenth. So when you're tithe, if you tithe, that means you give 10%. If you grew up in the church hearing that. If you're a Christian, I, I think that's a great, I think a, a great, it's a great guardrail, actually. If you're not at 10%, shake it off. Don't worry. Just take steps, little steps to getting there. Maybe it'll take years. Because that's a big lifestyle change, 10%. Like, you're like, holy smokes, yeah, you're right, it's a lot. Once you get there, it gets a lot easier. Like, you, it's, it, like we've been doing it for so long, I don't even think about it anymore. It's, that's not my money. And when I train my kids, I'm going to train my kids with jars. I'm going to do this soon, where it's like, all right, little, little Titus, you got, you got a dollar. He's going to hate this. And we're like, all right, we're going to give, we're going to give 10 cents of that dollar. You're going to save it. And like, why am I saving? Don't worry about it. We're just going to do it. And then... You can live on the rest, lollipops and Legos. It's great, you know? What, sky's the limits to 80%. I'm going to teach my kids that because I, I, I want to teach my kids, I want to make sure their hearts are protected against greed, and the best way to do that is to give first. It's the same for you. It's the same for me. And I could talk about giving 10% and... Um, where that 10% would come, I'd like to cover this quick, actually. Like, um, we give, in my family personally, we give 10% to the church, the, uh, the local church, whatever local church we're a part of. And then we give, a, a beyond, if we give to other organizations, we give beyond that. Um, I would say, like, honestly, if, if, if a local church means a lot to you, just give to it. And here, okay, here's the deal. Here, I, I'm a pastor. I know. Talking about money. Talking about giving to church. Listen, I don't take a salary. So if you, if you give here, it doesn't go to me. And if, and if the, I, honestly, if the idea of giving today, like you're like, he's just trying to get money, don't give to me. But give somewhere, for crying out loud. And if you have a church that's meant a lot in the past, give to that church. It doesn't have to be here. I don't, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. But I want generosity for you. I want these things to not control you. And if you're not a church person, you're like, I would, I would never give to a church. Give to something you're passionate about. And then th that's step one, is get these things in the right order. Then step two is pick a percentage. Pick a percentage. 
maybe it's 1% to start, 2%, 3 4 5 whatever it is, and set that aside every month. Set, honestly, if, if you're like most people, if you're like me, set up auto-giving. Get just the first thing that comes out of your bank account is that giving. It, you just, you've done it. As soon as you set up that auto-giving, honey, we're going to give this percentage based on our finances. We can do this, and maybe we'll grow it next year, but this is what it is now. We have it set on auto-pay to these organizations. Guess what? You're halfway there. Now you just got to figure out the savings thing. So you, you, you start, step one, is you get this in the right order. Step two, commit to a percentage. And then step three, and this is, again, this is, uh, you might disagree on this, grow it. Make a commitment to growing that month after month or year after year. Don't, and, and, and what that does is it just sets the tone. I don't, it just makes it so clear to money. Money, you do not control me. My trust is not in you. And it puts it in the right place. Now, what if we did this? What if, what if you did this? What if you had done this years ago? What heartaches may have changed, saved you from? Um, how might, how might, uh, what, what might we teach our, if we did this, what might we teach our kids about money and giving? What might we be free from? What, what, who, who, look at, look at, look at me, look at me. Who might be helped? Who might be fed? Who might be freed? Because we got this in the right order. The, the truth is, I think there's a word, like, the, you've heard me talk about this before, that half the world lives on $2.50 a day or less. Over 3 billion people. Abject poverty. I think the world, that, that world is waiting for towns like Evergreen to get it in the right order. And if we do, what, can we, what would we see? What stories would we hear about? What would we be a part of? What, well, how might we see the world literally get better? And then most importantly, what might it do to your relationship with your heavenly Father? As you step away from trusting in materials and the things in life and shift that trust potentially to Him. You need to put these in order. You pick a percentage, give first to the people, you know, the, uh, to either people or the church that you believe in or the organization that reflects your missions and passions. You need to save, prepare for your future, and then live on the rest. Give, save, live, and watch greed lose its grip. That's how you guard against greed. That's how you ensure that you have money, but money does not say a prayer. God, I'm so grateful that you want good things for us. That even in a topic like this where it's like, yeah, you're going to call us to give. You want something